line. And as we see in the National Football League, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance at winning. I mean, you really don't. Right. You can go into it like rah, rah, rah. But, I mean, realistically, this is a quarterback-driven league. And the teams that have a, a capable signal caller, doesn't have to be elite, does not have to be elite, but has a capable signal caller that can go out there, manage a game, um, take care of the football, not turn it over, and, and make a couple throws when needed. I mean, you you got a chance. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show. I'm your host, Ron Johnson. I'm on location right now. I'm, I'm traveling, but hey, show must go on. In today's show, one, we're going to talk about Justin Jefferson. He's a hot topic right now. What's going on with him? Two, in the Daily Three, we have to talk Vikings again. Uh, there's other things going on in sports, but then coach Chris Harris, former bear, uh, played with Marion Barber, but also it, it, he experienced Kirk Cousins, I guess you'll call it. He had, a, he had a Kirk Cousins experience, but he's with the Washington Commanders, so he knows the Kirk Cousins vibe within the building. But before we get to that, I got to bring my producer, Sam Extraman. And Sam, uh, question of the day. You asked me um, about Justin Jefferson and this top five thing. So my question to you is, is this top five athletes like in the world or is this just football? Yeah, so here's the context. CBS Sports put together a list, the top 25 NFL players, 25 and under, 25 okay. and under NFL players. Justin Jefferson ranked number five on the list. Now I want you, Ron, to try to guess the four above him. A little family feud style. You get three strikes. Yeah, well, this is easy for the quarterbacks, at least. Um, I'm not good with ages, so I'll just try to go off years in the NFL. I'm guessing they have to be under 25. <laughs> They've only been here for a short time. So Joe Burrow, uh, Super Bowl champ. Or not Burrow's champ, on the but, list. Uh, um, yep. Number all the three. other young – I, I, I want to say Trevor Lawrence, but I don't think he's good enough yet. But I'm going to go with the other one that reminds me of him, uh, Herbert Chargers. Herbert is actually number one so on Herbert's the list. So better than Burrow in their mind. Okay, like you behind Herbert, like I just can't. Like he went to the Super Bowl again. He has Jamar Chase. Uh, I want to say Jamar Chase. He is one behind Jefferson. He's number six. Okay. Um, I'm, I can't say Kyler Murray because I don't think he's better than Kirk Cousins. Um, not Jonathan Taylor. Oh, shoot, I'll give you a hint. We got one one quarterback and one pass rusher. So it's one more quarterback in there. One more quarterback. Oh. Oh, um, he is young, um, exciting kid, kind of like Kyler Murray, but better. Lamar Jackson. Correct. Yes. Um, and now a pass rusher. rusher. That's probably the hardest one. Daniil Hunter. No, Daniil's not 25. Uh, <laughs> Daniil, wait, how old? Daniil's not 25, is he? Did he just pass it? Because he was like, Daniil's getting Daniel up broke there a now. record. He's 27, 28. But he had like, Daniil had like a record for like tackles. Or sacks under 25 before he's 25. Yeah, like, he was the fastest of 50 sacks, I think, under 25. Yeah. So, oh, you know what? It's one of the Bosa brothers, I bet. Or Watt. No, Watts are old. So it's got to be Bosa. Yep, it's Bosa. It's so, Nick Bosa. And he doesn't have 50 sacks. So how is he even in this? Like, 
that alone, he should not be in front of Justin Jefferson. If you haven't broken Daniil Hunter's 50 sacks to when you're before you're 25, no. Because how many, I don't know, how many sacks is he at? Bosa's at. I mean, Bosa missed sure. the entire 2020 season. So True. he had he had a great year last year, 15 and a half sacks. He was amazing, but okay. he's only had two healthy seasons. Um, he's 24 years old. He's got 24 sacks in his career. So he's so off to a break great start. Record. But he's not breaking he's, he's record. Because, but he's not breaking Neil's record. Maybe if he was healthy. But yeah, so in my opinion, no. Justin Jefferson should be like three. I, I'd say Burrow, Herbert, and then Jefferson. And I think those three are right in there. Um, I, I, I wouldn't, Lamar Jackson is great. He's exciting. He's close, but I wouldn't put him in front of Justin Jefferson and then Bosa for sure. No, I wouldn't. I mean, gr granted, yes, he's a defensive guy. You look at Aaron Donald just got, uh, 30 some odd million dollars a year for three years, uh, highest paid player, non quarterback. Um, so pass rushers and guys that get after quarterback are important, but Justin Jefferson changes the game. Like he, like somebody just tweeted a question today and my answer was none. They said, would you take any receivers? Cause I know we've done the Kirk cousin, Kirk cousins. Um, and it was, would you take any receivers over Justin Jefferson? No, I wouldn't like what he does. I mean, you can argue Jamar chase. Um, but there's no Randy Mosses in my opinion right now in the league, like other than Randy and Jerry rice, like there's nobody you could take possibly right now that you would, I'd feel comfortable. Like, Oh yeah, this guy's going to give me way more production than just, I mean, cause even Cooper cup, Cooper cup, I think is a product of that system. I think he's good. He's really good, but he's a product of that system. So in my opinion, no, I'm going to go Jefferson. Uh, but I'll put him right up there with Burrow and uh, Herbert. I think he under 25 is exciting. But yeah, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Nick Bosa, uh, Jamar, or uh, Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to put them after that. Yeah, let me ask you this, Ron. So yeah. I think that a big part of this list is kind of assuming that the quarterbacks are going to get even better. Like Burrow's going to get Correct. better. Herbert's going to get better. And they're going to be legends. Do you think Justin Jefferson still has more to get better at as a wide receiver? Because when I watch him, doesn't have any weaknesses. I mean, he does the short stuff well, the deep stuff well, the contested catches. I'm like, where do you think he could actually improve other than just simply getting more passes his way? Um, there's not really an improvement, but there's a thing. You always can get better. You know, you have to be better than your best. So whatever you did yesterday, be better the next day. Uh, for Justin Jefferson, I think it's some of the little things um and this is not so much on the field but more off the field like he has to he has to continue to gain or Kirk Cousins he has to gain Kirk Cousins confidence like Kirk Cousins has to be well like I watched some of the Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase throws um because and, and maybe this is why those are on Twitter I couldn't figure that out either uh, I know the NFL is just recycling stuff to get people excited for the season and make sure nobody leaves their league nobody's leaving the NFL to watch something else um but I've seen a lot of like highlights of Jamar Chase, you know, one on one Burrow throws it. Jamar Chase is covered like a blanket and he still makes the catch. Kind of like Randy Moss. That's where Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins have to get. Kirk Cousins has to trust Jefferson. He has to throw him open. He has to throw it before he's because I've seen at times where Justin Jefferson slams on the brakes. He's wide open, but Kirk doesn't throw it because he came off of him uh, where he has to earn that trust to where every single route Kirk is like. He's there. We're to the point where fans are sometimes like, dude, throw it to somebody else. Somebody else is open. Like that's like we've never felt that way with Kirk Cousins. It's always looking for the next guy versus like, why is he forcing it to Justin Jefferson? Mm -hmm. You know, why is he trying to make like that's how we should feel with Justin Jefferson. Like that's that's how it felt sometimes like with Randy Moss. Um, I think even with the 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 uh, Rams sometimes, you know, you felt that with like, you know, looking at Cooper Cup a little bit too long. Um, even though Stafford's great, but you know, there, there were other guys within the route tree. And I think in Stafford, honestly, as the season went on, he got better at that of finding that other guy. Like I said, the the scoring rope 
or the scrolling, scrolling neck um, throw he made in the Super Bowl or the playoffs, um, you know, stuff like that. Like that's that's where Kirk's got to like beat it down to, a, you know, beat a dead horse, just throw Justin until like that's the next evolution of Justin Jefferson. Um, but yeah, there's not much um, to improve on because his game is pretty solid. But I think the choice route stuff, he's going to get a lot of if he's in the slot. He's going to have some of that choice route stuff that Cooper Cup has. He's going to have some of that shifty double move stuff. But he's good at that. Like, he has a great body control. You watch his offseason workouts. Um, like, he's doing all that stuff, that stop and go, like, 50 times within one route and then catching the ball just to burn your legs out and get that conditioning. Like, he's ready for it. So I think that's the next evolution of Justin Jefferson is where where does Kevin O'Connell see him in this route progression stuff? I'd like to see this team get go back to the deep ball a little bit more. I feel like last year they really stuck to the intermediate stuff. And yeah. you've got two of the best contested catch receivers in the NFL. I, I know they're not burners. Like they're not mm-hmm. going to just run by you like Tyree Kill, but mm-hmm. they're good enough with the ball in the air that I would trust them on some of those deeper passes. I mean, it, it's like against Baltimore, for instance, first drive of the game, they went over the top to Jefferson. Um, I mean, I know everyone wants that. Everyone wants you to go deep with the ball, but I felt like the Vikings could, with the receiving talent they have, they could go back to that a little bit more this season. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for the first segment of the Ron Johnson Show. Up next, we got Coach Chris Harris, and he's with the Washington Commanders, and they have a guy by the name of Carson Wentz, and he's going to kind of tell me what he thinks about Carson Wentz or Kirk Cousins. Stay tuned for that, because Carson Wentz and Kirk Cousins, I know who I'm taking, but Hey, you never know. But he has some good tips for Kirk Cousins and what he can do to hit that next level elite QB. Stay tuned. If you enjoy the Ron Johnson Show, you'll enjoy our other daily sports show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's Superior Sports Talk with Carol Levin Sports Director Reggie Wilson and his co-host Luke Emmon. Whether it's Twins, Vikings, Wolves, or Wild, Reggie and Luke have it covered with all the breaking news and big opinions. Catch the show five days a week by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Next up on the Ron Johnson Show, and of course, I want to thank all the viewers on YouTube. I want to thank all those who have podcasted and subscribed. Please continue to do so. But as I tease, we're going to bring in Chris Harris. No, not Chris Harris Jr. uh, from the Broncos. This is Chris Harris Safety for the Chicago Bears. Chris and I, well, I was only there for like six months uh, but Chris was a rookie we drafted when I came in. Uh, I was a tight end, so I had to deal with Chris every once in a while as safety. But Chris and I kind of got cool because we both like to hang out. We both like to gamble a little bit. Uh, and, yeah. and, and we like to hang out at Brian Erlacher's house. And so that's kind of how I met Chris. Chris, and I think it was like Kyle Orton, you know, <laughs> at Erlacher's yeah. house, late night gambling. And then after that, we were cool. You know, went to training camp, you know, blah, blah, all this stuff. I ended up getting hurt. Uh, so, you know, I had to go after that, you know, can't make the club in the tub but i want to bring chris harris in and chris jumping into this man you were a player uh you know you played all over spice adams loves making jokes about you too uh but you know you've played and then you transitioned into coaching you know i had a lot of guys when i coached for two years with the coach talk about that and then reggie wayne i was doing it and you're doing it so uh what what did that transition look like going from playing to coaching man it was um it was pretty easy for me because I knew as a I knew as a player, I knew early in my career, I think I knew my sec, first, second year, that coaching was the avenue that I wanted to take uh, whenever my football career was over with. So I would always pay attention to what coaches were doing. Like I would go upstairs just like, all right, what does game planning look like for you guys? Like, because I was always intrigued 
with more of the X's and O's of football than the physicality of it. I, mean, I love the physical part of it, but the X's and O's really intrigue me because to me it's like math. I, I like math. And so, you know, it's like, all right, how does this puzzle fit? An eight-man front, how, okay, how, how does everything go together? And that the, the intellectual part of the game really, really intrigued me. And so it was just one thing. And my parents, both of my parents are retired teachers. And to me, football coaching, coaching is you're just teaching, it's football education. You know, at the end of the day, it's being able to communicate effectively and being able to teach and, and you know, put those two things together. It was it was for me. Yeah, man. And so, you know, looking at that, you know, as a coach now, you, you get to mentor players as well. And you get to give these guys advice. And, you know, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of guys give a lot of advice recently. Uh, but you look at a guy like Marion Barber, you play with them, played against them, uh, recently passed away. And. The tough thing about the NFL, I mean, you look at so many other players that this has happened to, you know, whether it's Vincent Jackson or whoever, guys, you know, it, it's just one of those things where, where you look back, you're like, man, I wish I could have changed this or I wish I could have done this. Um, what do you remember most about Marion Barber? Man, he was an excellent teammate. I mean, we were only teammates for one year. Um, to, his last year in the league was 2011. Uh, and he came to Chicago. And I just remember he was just a down to earth guy. Like I had played him multiple times throughout my career. And I would pro he he probably goes up there in my top three hardest running backs to tackle. Um, you know, he was he was Marshawn Lynch before Marshawn Lynch, um, in my opinion. But I said that. <laughs> you know, I just I just remember he was he was a gen a genuine guy, man. Like he really was a genuine dude. And it's, it's it's unfortunate, man. He was so he was only thirty eight, so young. Um, I mean, that's extremely young to 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 pass away. And you know, I, I it it crushed me when I saw it. I mean, it really did. Yeah, man. And, and you know, just looking at that, you know, the age of thirty eight, two thousand five draft. You know, same as you. Um, <clears throat> you know, he was my teammate in college. So you know, we're, we're a bunch of guys, former players, are in town this week, and so we're gonna go out and just kind of. You know, one, just be around each other, man, because I think so many players, you know, as you get away from the game, uh, you forget to connect. And so uh, that's one thing I always appreciate about you, you know, working for the Vikings. I got to see you coach with the uh, Chargers. I know Antonio Gates was there. And so it's been cool to watch you grow, uh, you know, from from step to step to step. And I'm guessing, you know, D coordinator and head coach are coming soon. Um, but as you look at this, you know, NFL and all the things that come with it, and of course, quarterbacks right now are a big talker. And you're with the Washington Commander, so you guys had Kirk Cousins at one point, so you've heard about him around the building. Uh, but you've also faced him um, as well. W when you look at Carson Wentz, uh, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, uh, you know some of these fringe now, you know, because you only have so many elites. And then you look at, you know, even Russell Wilson now being pushed down. You know, what is it about these quarterbacks, or specifically Kirk Cousins? And, and your quarterback and Carson Wentz, you know, what is it about the stigma that kind of surrounds them sometimes and how do they get out of that? You know, I, I, I think they've got some, some, some negative press. Um, both of those quarterbacks, even Matt Ryan, you know, court, the, 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 the elite court, they, they, they don't, they're not, they don't, yeah, they don't have a tree full of them. You just don't grow them like that. You right. know, it comes with developing. And I and I think all of those quarterbacks we just named are all solid quarterbacks. I think those are all quarterbacks that you can win with. Yeah. And and, it, and as we see in the National Football League, 
if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance at winning. I mean, you really don't. Right. You can go into it like rah, rah, rah. But, I mean, realistically, this is a quarterback-driven league. And the teams that have a, a capable signal caller, doesn't have to be elite, does not have to be elite, but has a capable signal caller that can go out there, manage a game, um, take care of the football, not turn it over, and, and make a couple throws when needed. I mean, you, you got a chance. I mean, because it is a – it takes offense, it takes defense, it takes special teams. But at the end of the day, uh, I think the buck stops with the quarterback. Yeah, and looking at the Vikings secondary, because I know you played safety, so I know you've seen Harrison Smith, uh, Lewis Seen, kid out of Georgia, free safety, the Vikings drafted in the first round. When you see Lewis Seen and Harrison Smith, what jumps out about those two guys to you? Intelligent. Intelligent. Uh, uh, that would be the first thing I would say. Um, I had a chance to visit with Lewis Singh. Uh, he came in on a 30 visit uh, with the commanders and we had him. I had him for a day and he is a very sharp, intellectual man. Um, and, you know, Har Harrison is the same way. I mean, he, he's, he's one of the smartest safeties in the league. And you can just tell by the way he plays. You know, he knows how to disguise. He knows what the quarterback's looking, so, uh, what, what he's looking at. So he's trying to give him something else. And he's a guy that gets himself in the right position because of his wits and because of his smarts. And, and looking at this season, you know, there's going to be Justin Jefferson. There's going to be Cooper Cup. There's going to be a lot of top receivers. Um, you know, again, being a DB coach, you got to watch them. How do you like stop a guy like Justin Jefferson or even Cooper Cup? Like, like, what is your thought process when you see that come up on film? Man, it's, you got to try to do some, do some, uh, some doubling. You know, maybe cut one way if we're robbing. Maybe rob towards him, lurk towards that player. Because I mean, that they're they're special players that that command double teams now you can't double team a player every single down uh, you know i mean you're gonna get gashed in the running game but you know you you have to make sure you know where he is the safety needs to know where he is so he may need to cheat over the top if you're in single high coverage um you know if you're in man-to-man -man coverage and you got a cooper cup a guy like that that's real shifty in the slot okay you might have the linebacker you know if you got a whole player you know he's looking strictly at him so he can help that nickel uh, you know, um, with his leverage so the nickel can stay outside and he can, boom, be right there to help him if he cuts inside. So little things like that, little nuances like that. But, I mean, it, guys like that, they're they're dynamic um, and, and they're great players. So it's, it's hard to say you're going to just take them out of the game and stop them I and mean, you can right. try to slow them down. Yeah, it's the last one, man, fun one, of course. You play for the Bears, but you you know you've been in, in the league for you know you played a couple of different spots, and you face Randy Moss. What was that like? I mean, even going into the week, knowing you had to deal with Randy Moss, what was that like? Randy was a freak. I was with him with that record-breaking year in in, in uh, New England. I played against him then. I was in Carolina. I think that was oh oh nine, maybe. Yeah, I feel like it was oh nine. Man, he he's. When, if you see if you see that hand go up like this, you're in trouble. <laughs> and, and he could be five yards in front of you. <laughs> if that if that hand go up like that, you were in trouble. I mean, he he was a special guy. He 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 had a uh, um, you know 
rare speed. I mean, he could I don't think people understand how fast Randy Moss really was. Like he he can go. You know, he's a tall, lanky guy. So I mean he covers a lot of ground when he runs and you're not catching him. And he had phenomenal hands. And so his speed was one thing, you know. Tyreek Hill is, is 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 fast. He's really fast, but I mean but but Randy Moss could pick him up and put him down. <laughs> And, and and of course, like any coach, I lie. You know, there's always you say you got 16, 110s, you got two more. One more question: If you had to give advice to all these young, uh, not just the safeties, but these young DBs, young defensive guys, and offensive guys, but young players coming into today's NFL, uh, you're a coach and you have to do it. What do you tell your young rookies when they enter the building? Well, I I, t I tell them we we have to learn how to be pros. Have to. It's a difference between being an NFL player and being a professional, being a pro. Um, and so the biggest thing when I get rookies is I, I try to help them um, become what I call a pro. You know, a pro comes in. Um, time I tell them time's the most valuable asset that we have. Mm -hmm. um, it's the one thing that you can't get extra. You know, I tell them, hey, we can go down to the meal room, and you know, if I wanna, if I if I wanna. Uh, extra omelet. I, I, I can get. I can get another one. If if I want some more. If I want some more bacon. Okay, I can get some more bacon. You know. If if I want some more hash browns. I, okay, I, I finished mine. I can go back up there and get some more hash browns. If I want some more money. Okay, I I, mean, I can I, I can go get some more money. I can you know. But time is the one thing that we we don't get extra. It's only it's it's only so much in a day. And I tell them. I said it's like that's like if you have a bank account. Like say you got a bank account. All right, you put a thousand dollars in it. All right, you spent five hundred dollars of that day, right? And so you put a thousand dollars in the next day. All right, so you got fifteen hundred. Okay, you spent uh, five hundred down that, so you got a thousand left. But I put a thousand in the next day, so now I got two thousand. And I tell them time doesn't work like that. I said, guys, we got twenty four hours in the day. I said, so if you waste six hours of that day, if you waste six hours of that day, you're not going to get that extra six. So when that twenty four rolls over again, you're not getting the extra six to go to twenty four. So you don't have thirty. So right. that's one thing that we don't ever get extra of. So making sure that they really understand how to utilize their time and 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 be efficient with their time and understanding time management because you have so much more free time now that you're an NFL player than when you're a college player. Like when you're a college player, you got to do this. You're getting pulled here. Okay, I got to go study hall. Okay, we got to get up, go work out here, and then we got to go do this. Okay, now I got to go to class. All right, now I'm going to go to practice. All right, now I got to go to study hall. And so – Nah, you you don't. You, it's not that much. You have all day basically. Right. When the day's over with at four thirty, five o'clock, you got the rest of the day, and you got to <laughs> figure out how to manage your time and use it and effectively. Well, that's wise words from a guy that's played it. Now he's coaching it. That's Chris Harris. It's the Ron Johnson Show. And up next, we got the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes. Stay tuned for that. Do you want instant post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite sports teams? Well, check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Following every Twins, Vikings, Wild, or Wolves games, our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting live with team insiders like Kevin Gore for the Wild Brandon Warren, and Brandon Warren for the Twins. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel. And please, download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Well, it's that time of the show segment I love. It's the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Take it away, Sam. I got a good Gophers one for you, Ron. A lot of okay. people nationally don't know this name. 
John Michael Schmitz. I call him JMS for short. Mel Kuyper Jr. We all know Mel Kuyper. He ranked John Michael Schmitz as the top center in college football, number one on his big board in next year's draft. So my question to you, Ron, and, and Schmitz was right up there with Tyler Linderbaum in the rankings last year. Do you think that John Michael Schmitz could be the next first round pick for the Gophers? Oh, uh, yeah. So Tyler Linderbaum, I remember he was in the late 20s, like 24, 25. Um, the reason I know that is because I thought the Vikings could have took him uh, with their pick. Uh, and then, of course, you know, they they traded back and got Lewisine. But I, I thought if the Vikings had dropped back to 20, 21, 22, that was kind of how I kept doing it. Even we did our mocks, you know, trading with the Steelers because we knew the Steelers wanted Kenny Pickett. I said that right away in our mock draft. Um, and we, we didn't know. I speculated. But, you know, it seemed like an easy fit. He's in pit. Uh, and then Vikings trade back and get Tyler Linderbaum. Well, if you think about it now, John Michael Schmidt probably can go in that same spot. And unless the Vikings win the Super Bowl, um, they're going to be probably in that top 25 again, maybe top 20 um, if they have an early exit or don't make the play. You know, they're right in that fringe again. Um, you know, and I, th- I know a lot of fans are feel like, look, if you're going to miss the playoffs by one game, just go ahead and lose four or five more so we can get a top 10 pick. Well, if you are competitive and you build that confidence in the team, you can see what you have, and then you get a 20, 25, 20 to 25 draft pick, and probably John Michael Schmidt's probably there. Uh, he could be a Viking starting center. If you think about Bradbury, you know, not being extended, we don't know what you get out of him. I mean, unless Kevin O'Connell turns into a great center, it could be a, a change uh, of voice. Yeah, John Michael Schmidt can and will be the next first-round pick for the Gophers. He came back. Um, a lot of people thought he was going to leave, but he came back to be a part of something great with Brian Callahan. Um, and, and I think that's the big key in this. Um, he is solid. I've watched him for the last couple of years. You look at Mo Ivorum, uh, you look at all these running backs, Bucky Irving. Um, it, you know, he cleared the way on a lot of that stuff. And he also, I mean, he moves in space well uh, because the Gophers do run an RPO style offense. Um, so, yeah, he, he's what a lot of teams are looking for, a guy that can move, but also a big body that can anchor that middle and keep the quarterback clean. Do you know off the top of your head, is he a Minnesota native? Is he from like outstate Minnesota or did they recruit him from somewhere? I think he is from Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken, but I do know he's extremely smart. Like I know Flex said he's like getting his doctorate or something. He's going to be a doctor one day. So he's extremely smart kid as well. Um, And so that's going to vote well for him if he does decide to go to the NFL. And that is where he wants to pursue. Uh, This is a kid that's extremely smart. Okay. We got a, I mean, this is, a look ahead to the future right here. John Michael Schmitz attended uh, Homewood Flossmore High School in Flossmore, Illinois. Their nickname, the Vikings. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> number two, the, on a serious note, Deshaun Watson has a 24th accuser come forward in the civil suits, which, uh, again, is is leading to the question, how many games is he actually going to play this year? What kind of punishment is he facing from the NFL potentially Ron, what's your outlook on this Deshaun Watson situation? Well, yeah, I'm always a let the let it play on the courts thing. Um, I, you know, I stay out of pol- um, um, uh, police matters just because you just don't know. Um, you, you never really know. I never like to say somebody's guilty. I never like to say somebody's innocent. Um, the one thing I'll say is um, a lot of this being civil, because I've seen some of the plaintiffs say they want it in front of a jury because they really want, you know, they don't want a judge to decide. They want uh the emotions of people to hear their story um you know i haven't seen anybody like you know it hasn't been like a brutal anything it's been more perverted type stuff like exposing themselves doing stuff in front of them um you know whatever 
when the NFL takes a look at that, and if you think about what's going to happen, I mean, it's wrong. If it's true, it's wrong. It's perverted. Um, you know, that's a business where you have to have a lot of trust uh, when you're when you're massaging somebody in their house, uh, when you're supposed to help somebody get healthy. Um, so it, depending on how many of these suits are, are real and some are just, uh, you know, money grabs, we don't know because they're and that's the problem when it's so many, you have to weed through the, the bad to get to the to the right ones or the wrong. I don't even know what word to use for that, but you have to weed through some to get to the ones that are real. Um, or is all of them? I mean, if that's if it's all of them, that's crazy. He plays zero games. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be up to that because it is a civil, it, it, you know, it's it's something that they're trying to go to court and and figure it out. Um, but depending on how long these take, that's the other problem. I mean, we're, we're uh, 99, 98, 97 days away from the season. And they're just getting these like plaintiff's documents into the courts now. Um, this might go into the season. And I don't know if the NFL can can let him even on the field knowing that he's going through these uh, civil suits. And so that's the that's going to be the big one. That's going to be the big problem with this. Because uh, a lot of people thought it was just all a hoax by Houston's like, you know, crazy black market, whatever, trying to control him not leaving Houston or, you know, lowering his trade value. Um, so, that you know, who knows? Or not lowering his trade value, but making him untradeable um, so that nobody would want him and he'd have to play for them. Who knows what's going on? But, you know, at the end of the day, I have no answer. But I, I guess if these are true, he plays no games this year. Like, he's going to get suspended for the season. And and then the Browns just wasted. I don't know. I don't. And I don't know if there's something in this contract saying if he's found guilty of X amount, we don't have to pay you anything. So we'll see where that goes. No, I, I read about this too. The contract is set up that if he doesn't play any games this year, he only loses one million dollars of the two hundred thirty million dollars. He wow. they 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 created it so that all the money is backloaded, so that wow. it is actually very good for Watson if he doesn't play. But I. I think that um, commissioner's exemplist probably to start the year. And I, I'm with you. I don't think he plays any games. I think that the NFL comes down with a strict punishment. There probably will be an appeal process. Maybe the punishment gets reduced a little bit, but they're going to set the bar pretty high, I think, and yeah. draw a line, line in the sand on this one. Uh, last one, some, some fighting words in the NBA. The Nuggets president, Josh Kroenke, came out and said that the Timberwolves were desperate when they offered Tim Connolly a $40 million deal to become their new president of basketball operations. Mm -hmm. Is this leading to a potential division rivalry between the Wolves and the Nuggets now that the Wolves have nabbed their big executive? No, that's just somebody who wants their binky. Like, that's just somebody bitter, somebody trying to create something there, uh, just making a comment. Um, you know, if they don't feel a certain way about a certain candidate or feeling like, hey, because what, what happens is now when, when executives are getting this money, it puts the rest on the, on notice, you know? And so now as an agent or uh, whatever, you're like, oh, whoa, that people can pay or that's what people are willing to offer. But I've always been told this, like in the NFL draft and the NBA draft, if there's a guy you want, go get him. Like, don't worry about like, oh. Well, they have them listed at 30. We shouldn't draft them at 20 or 15. Because then people always say, oh, that was a reach. You, That was a reach pick. And then you look back and you're like, man, that was actually smart. You know, that was actually a good pick. So uh, if you want your guy, go get him. Like the money or the, the 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 way you get him, like that'll all come back. Like you'll get that back over time. Like, but you will never get back that person. Um, that's one thing you can never get. You can never go back in time 
um, and, and get that, you, you know, it's gone. Once it's gone, and I can't remember who we interviewed, and it might be coming up, but he he said that, you know, there's one thing you can't get back, and that's time. Time is is something you can never get back. So you can't go back and say, oh, I wish we had got this guy as our executive. Man, look how good he is now in the front office. Um, you know, that's that's where that's where people get caught up in that. When you look at coaches and you think about coaches like Mike Tomlin and some of these Vikings, former Vikings coaches that went on and were great. People always look back. Oh, I wish we had got Mike Tomlin. You know, he was good. We should have offered him an assistant head coach job to keep him here so that he could be the next coach in waiting and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's all that kind of, you know, Tony Dungy, you know, same thing. He's with Denny Green and then he leaves and goes to the Bucks. You know, I wish we had made Tony Dungy the head coach in waiting. Like there's so many things where people say that. Hey, if there's a guy you want, like like the 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 Patriots tried to do with Josh McDaniels, they kept offering him money to be the head coach and wait, he could finally, you know, he's like, all right, look, Belichick's never going to retire. I can't sit here forever. You know, I'm out of here. I'm going to Vegas. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's where I see it. Like, if there's a guy you want, that's why I see with execs. Like, that's just – I don't think there's a rivalry there, Um, you know, because it's not players. Like, if it was Draymond Green or something, you know, saying something about the Timberwolves or, you know, if the Timberwolves make a trade and – you know, the the actual players, like Donovan Mitchell says something, maybe the Jazz, you know, he becomes a rival with the Jazz. But, yeah, it, you know, until the D'Angelo Russell deal happens or something happens, and then people say, oh, that was a reach to get rid of D'Lo. Yeah, that was stupid on the Timberwolves part. And the player says that, then, yeah, then you might have some players. on. But front office, no, nah, players aren't paying attention to that stuff. Yeah, Tim Connolly, by all accounts, seems like a great dude, well-trusted executive. People love him. Nuggets loved him. My only question about this was the timing. Like, usually you make a big swing for a, a basketball executive when you are rebuilding your team. You're building the team up. The Timberwolves have already built the team. I mean, they don't need him to come in and shake things up. They just need him to come in and make a couple of tweaks, decide what to do with D'Lo, and then decide how to draft and how to surround Cat and Edwards with talent. It's not like he's got a huge job on his hands here. So right. this is just some, you know, this is, the new ownership saying we want to have the best of the best at every position, whether it's executive, whether it's broadcasting, whether it's head coach, whether it's, you know, ticket salesman. Um, they really do want to make this like a, a luxury organization as well as they can in the state of Minnesota. Yeah, I agree. I do. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's, 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 it will, it'll be seen this year of what happens in the uh, in the front office with the players off the court. But that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show today. I want to thank you all for downloading and watching. Those at, you, all at home watching on YouTube, we thank you. Uh, those that continue to subscribe, please share that as well. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure you download and listen to Sam and I. We have a lot to say, and we have some great interviews. Coach Chris Harris, check it out if you have not, and go back. Do you agree? Is Justin Jefferson a top three guy under 25, or is he five? Is he right where he should be? That's for you to answer. We will interact with you on Twitter, so feel free to tweet to the to the video as well. Uh, but that'll do it for the Ryan Johnson Show. Have a great day.